Hello everybody, it's your host Uncle B, and today we're going to be talking about the Ferrari 250 GTO, one of the most iconic cars, and probably one of the, the rarest to be uh, produced by Ferrari, certainly one of the most valuable in today's market as well. So, let's get started. The proverbial road to the 250 GTO started in 1954 with the introduction of the 250 GT Europa. Enzo Ferrari long understood that in order to sell his road cars, he had to take them racing. The Europa was a car that could be used every day and could be used as a GT race car on the weekends. The 250 series served Ferrari well from the mid-1950s up, into, up, to, up to sorry, the 250 short wheelbase cars of 1961. Those are some very beautiful cars, by the way, if you get a chance to see those. At the end of the racing season, the FIA announced that the 1962 championship would be for GTT, uh, sorry, GT cars instead of the sports cars of the past, which the early 250 series were eligible for. This new car was initially known as the 250 GT Comp slash 62, but it became known as the GTO. One thing that should be noted here is that when the GTO was created, Ferrari did not have the luxury of testing the car in a wind tunnel. So the car was basically developed on the track at the hands of experienced drivers who could tell the engineers of the day what was working with the car and what wasn't. It was a time-consuming effort, to be sure. Each of the new cars had to be homologated for use in races, and the O comes from the Italian word homologation or homologato or homologation in English. A total of 36 cars were made from 1962 to 1964, the 1964 version is a Series 2 car, and the body style is significantly different from the 1962 and 1963 versions of the GTO. The 1964 version is typically identified by the GTO-64 when raced at historic events or on display at concourse uh, events. Uh, basically, that I believe the 1964 was a Pininfarina designed, where the 1962 and 1963 were bodied by Scaglietti. If I pronounce that correctly, my Italian is not the best. All of the cars were fitted with the venerable Colombo V12 with six Weber carburetors, a five-speed manual transmission, disc brakes with a 302 brake horsepower, and a top speed of 174 miles an hour. That was pretty good for back in the day along the Mulsanne Strait before the uh, chicanes were introduced, of course. A 250 GTO variation known as a 330 LMB was able to produce 390 brake horsepower with a top speed of 186 miles an hour. Um, they look very similar to a 250 GTO, and if you see them, you'll think that somebody got that information wrong. But they are uh, just a, a variation. Um, but anyway, since all versions of the 250 GTO not counting the 330 LMB variations, survive to this day, all of which have well-documented racing pedigree. This opens up for a number of opportunities for owner of these cars, or if you're looking to sell them uh, at uh, the higher-end auctions, you can command some pretty high prices um, because some of the well-known drivers, Sterling Moss has driven them, Graham Hill... There's a whole slew of drivers from the, the late 50s, early 60s who had raced in the 250 GTO. So that will uh, add to the heritage, obviously. Now, uh, one other thing, 
the front end of the car has a very unique design in that there's three inlets that you can cover up and that basically allows the engine to warm up in the colder weather and those inlets can be taken off or there's like a cover that can be removed to let the cooler air once the car is up to operating temperature. It's a very unique, um, very, um, something very stylized, I guess. Something that you, when you see the 60, 1962 or 1963 250 GTOs, you can tell right away you know what you're looking at. However, a few years back, I ran across a picture, and, and this is one of the things, the Internet's a great researching tool, but a lot of people put some... Uh, false information, I guess, whether they realize it or not. And there is a 1965 Ferrari 275 GTB Competition Special that looks like a 250 GTO. It has those inlets in the front to uh, allow the engine to warm up, and then those covers can be removed like I talked about a moment ago. So it's it's easy for people to think that because that front end has that style, that it's automatically a 250 GTO, and it's simply not the case. So be aware, if you see it, it's like a yellow-looking... It's a beautiful car, don't get me wrong, but it's clearly not what people thought it was. Um, so just, you know, something to... It, I re, it was reminded to me uh, a few days ago on Facebook, because I had wrote a lengthy post about that but um anyway if you see these I mean, they're just beautiful cars all around that uh, i remember seeing one for the first time in 2005 at the monterey historics and you know i was still kind of learning about cars and everything and i was just immediately smitten with with the, the shape of the car and the sound of that v12 it's just uh really really awesome so um they're they're raced all over uh i know they're raced at um for sure the monterey historic still i think they race um some at the sonoma raceway when they do their historic event um but yeah just really really beautiful cars if you get a chance to check them out do so um you know usually in the paddock at most of those events you can walk by and take a look at them you know Obviously, you want to be respectful of the car owner doesn't want you to get too close. But anyway, uh, that's today's episode. Um, coming up in uh, sometime soon. I don't know exactly when. I'm I'm still trying to nail down a, a day that I want to get these episodes pushed out. But we'll be talking about the Porsche 917 and its iterations. I you know as I mentioned in the previous episode. And then in the future, we're going to be looking at some different stuff, maybe some lesser known uh, race cars or just cars in general. I'm, I'm kind of kicking around some ideas for that. But anyway, I hope everybody's having a good week. Stay safe. Peace. Live long and prosper.